So over the last uh, few weeks, we have been in a series called Light of the World, where we've been exploring what it means to be the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, as we have discovered from John chapter 1. But what we're going to see today is, if you, have, if you haven't already picked up on it from some of the other things in our service, Christ has called us to be the light of the world as well. Let me ask you, as we start our time uh, in the Word today, um, how many of you are those kind of people who enjoy Christmas to such extent that you like to go out at least one night during the Christmas season to, to just enjoy Christmas lights somewhere, either at Winter Haven or Tucson Botanical Gardens. Maybe you're one of those crazy people that actually drives all the way to Phoenix to see the zoo lights, right? I actually heard um, this in the last few days that there's a new light display here in Tucson called Tucson Lights. Really inventive name, right? Uh, Ralph, Ralph of I-10, they have a quarter of a million lights there that you can go check out even tonight if you want to do so. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting as I was digging around online is that there is a Croatian family, Croatia being in Europe, right, that have been decorating their, their farm with five million lights, including this year. People from all over Europe go to this place to see these Christmas lights. I mean, you would not believe. I mean, I, there's a video actually on MyGrace.Church if you want to check it out this afternoon and see a little bit more about this place. But I mean, they have this whole section that, to celebrate Christmas with, with Christmas lights and Christmas fireworks to celebrate the nativity. And there's this whole other section that, with lights that, that kind of walks you through the story of Easter. I mean, it's just an amazing place. And that, for, we enjoy those kinds of things, right? Because we make space in our lives each year to put up lights and to go see lights. But I wonder, how often do we think about being a light at Christmas time? Or at any other time of the year? I also wonder if you've thought about lately, how bright is your light? How bright is the light that shines from within you. Because if you're a follower of Christ, what we see from Scripture is that you have this incredible source of light within you that has the ability to shine out around you and to be able to impact the lives of people all around on a daily basis to help them come to experience Christ themselves. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 in your Bibles, if you have them with you, or if you don't, again, uh, at MyGrace.Church on the web, you can use your smartphone to go there, click on the Messages tab, and you can follow along with the Scriptures, and there's uh, some other helpful resources and content there today. But as you're turning there, what I want to share with you today is about how you uh, have this light that God wants to use to shine on others. And our big takeaway today is this. God calls us to be the light of the world. This isn't just, this wasn't just Jesus' job. This is your job, to brightly reflect Christ's light so that, so in the darkness of the world so that the world around us can clearly see Jesus. Now, Matthew 5, if, as you're getting there, what you're going to see there is Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? It's the famous message that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago. And it starts in the very beginning of Matthew 5 with these qualities that Jesus describes are qualities that God wants to uh, reveal through us to the world around us. Qualities like being meek. Qualities like being merciful and so on. But then Jesus pauses and he gives these two vivid illustrations to kind of paint a picture for people of what this means, what it means to live out our lives before others in the world. Starts with verse 13, which says this, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? 
Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, salt, some of you may know this, salt is a preservative, right? It prevents decay. It's also a flavoring to be savored. It's an antiseptic, I learned, that can clean and heal. And it's something that makes people thirsty. I mean, there's a whole message that I could go into just with that one verse today, but I don't have time to do that. I'm going to kind of skip over that first illustration. We're going to go to the second illustration that Jesus gives here, starting in verse 14, that talks about us being a light. Because when you accept Christ in your life, what we learn is that we have a new purpose. So look at verse 14. After Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, he says, You, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. There it is. Jesus doesn't just say he is a light. He says, you are a light in the world. You know, when we started this series a few weeks ago called Light of the World, Brian Croyle spoke. And uh, he opened, as he opened this series, he brought us to John chapter 1, where we saw that Jesus was God in human form, and he came into the world as a light that could not be extinguished. In, uh, in John 8, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, but he says that his light here is temporary because he would be leaving this world. And in John chapter 12, I love this, Jesus then says, Believe in me so that you will become the children of the light. It's a purpose in life that God gives to all those who choose to believe in him. You know, over the years, I've taught many things here from this stage. But one of the things that I have taught on a lot is identity. Talked about what, it mean, what our identity truly is. And that our identity isn't found in our jobs. Our identity isn't found in our sexuality. Our identity isn't found in what other people say about us. Who does God say that you are? The beloved Sons and daughters of God. I pray that you will never forget that. That is your identity. Your identity is not wrapped up in your major in school. Your identity is not wrapped up in the career path you choose. Your identity is wrapped up, according to God, in one thing. That you are his beloved child. That doesn't change regardless of the mistakes you may make in this life. Your identity does not change. But get this, your purpose can change. And Jesus says here in this passage that we just looked at, that your purpose, once you accept Christ, is to be a light bearer on this earth. It doesn't mean that your role as a dad or as an accountant or as a grandma or as a teacher, that changes. But what he's saying here is that in those roles that we live into into this life, we are to shine. We are to reflect Christ's light back into the world around us. Does that make sense? For a while, it was Jesus' purpose to be the light of the world. But now, Jesus says, that job is yours. It's your purpose. It's, it's not your aspiration. Jesus doesn't say, one day I'm praying that you will become a light in the world. No. He says, when you accept me into your life, you are a light in the world as my child. However, God's purpose 
can be wasted. Look at verse 15. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, Jesus is pointing out the obvious here, right? A lamp is meant to enlighten. It's meant to light up the things that are around it, to illuminate. To, to light dispels the darkness. It, it reveals what is hidden. It awakens people. It, it's, it's like a lighthouse. It guides people away from the dangers lurking in the darkness, as we talked about in the sermon last week. But it, that light does no good if it is covered or hidden, right? That light is wasted. You have a God-given purpose to shine God's love and God's light into the world around you. But if you hide that light, if you're constantly going around trying to tamp it down, trying to hide it from the world around you, you are wasting the light that Christ wants to reflect off of you into the world around you. Let me share a little bit of science with you for a moment if I can. I think this is pretty cool. Um, did you know that light does not dissipate or vanish on its own? Did you, did you realize that? Light is traveling. When you look out at the stars at night, which I love to do in Tucson, by the way, when you look out at the stars at night, what you're seeing are these little pinpricks of light. But what you may not realize or you may not think about in those moments is that light has been traveling to your eyeballs at 186,000 miles per second for millions of years. Some of the stars that you see out at night don't even exist anymore because they have since gone out. But the light has continued to travel unabated, unhindered for millions of years until the moment that you look at it at night. Isn't that amazing? Now, a question. When when we turn on, if, if that's true that light doesn't vanish, if it doesn't dissipate on its own, when we go to bed at night and we turn off our bedroom light, where does that light go? Seems to vanish, doesn't it? You know, I, I obviously, I think I must have fallen asleep in science class at that, on that particular day. I had no idea. I was thinking, I'm like, well, if that's true, then where's the light go in the bedroom when I shut the lights off at night? And so I had to, since I couldn't remember from school, I had to ask Professor Google the answer to that question. And uh, apparently it, it has to do with reflection and absorption. Right? Some of you may remember this. When light is emitted from something, whether it's a candle or it's a light bulb or it's the sun, doesn't matter. It travels in all directions until it hits something. And then that light is either reflected or it's refracted or it's absorbed. Sometimes it's, it's, it, with each, when, light is, when light is shining, it actually is usually a mixture of those three things, depending on what the light actually hits. Now... Light, the more that light is reflected, the brighter things are because the light lingers. For instance, when you go to the beach, you know, it's a lot brighter at the beach than it is maybe, say, in your backyard at that same time of day, right? Why is that? Well, because all this light from the sun is getting reflected off the ocean, this humongous body of water back into the atmosphere, and so we wear sunglasses, right, because it's so bright there. The water is reflecting that light. Now, what is your body doing when you're on the beach? It's absorbing it, right? And the redder you get, the more you're absorbing, right? When we walk out in the desert and we feel the rocks in the, in the, in the summer sun that are hot from the sun, they are absorbing that light. They're not doing a whole lot of reflecting. But when you're in your house at night, 
you flip those lights off and instantly the walls, the furniture, you, everything around is quickly absorbing every bit of that light out of the room and just just sucks it up within less than a second and it's gone. Now, you may be thinking, great science lesson, Dave, where are you going with this? Well, let me tell you, just like walls and and physical light, we have a tendency to absorb as Christian people way more light than we reflect. Just like rocks warming in the desert sun, we can absorb light all day long. But how often are we reflecting it back? We soak in, we absorb through our Bible studies and all the things that we are doing to grow closer to Jesus, more and more of God's light, God's truth. We come here on a Sunday morning and we worship God and we give Him our best and we learn from God's Word what we can. But if guys, there's nothing wrong with that. We are meant to absorb some light, but we weren't designed as human beings to be light absorbers. We were meant as followers of Jesus to be light reflectors into our community and into our world. Christ wants us to reflect back into the world His light for others to see, a light that would pierce the darkness. You know, I happened to find this verse a few weeks ago in 2 Corinthians 3 that I thought was so cool. I hadn't seen it before. But in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about this. And he he actually says that when this veil of darkness is removed and we come to know who Jesus truly is and we accept Him into our lives, when we follow Christ, it says right there, there's that word again, we are made to reflect God's glory into the world around us. Yeah, we're to absorb some of it to become more and more like Him. But if all we're doing is absorbing light, something is wrong. We're hiding the light under a bushel. The last thing I'd share with you is, this is from verse 16. When you do good deeds, Jesus says, you fulfill that purpose, that design that God has made you for, and people see Jesus as a result. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine. Did you notice that? Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, the ways that we love, the ways that we care for, the ways that we serve others, the ways that we share with others is how we shine, how we reflect back Christ's light into the world around us. The Bible says in the book of James, it also says in Romans, that we don't have our own light We don't have our own goodness that we can kind of show out for everybody, right? That doesn't even feel right when we try to do that. But we are meant to reflect that light that comes from Christ back out into the world around us. Just like the moon reflects the sun, so we are to reflect the light of Jesus back into the world around us wherever we go. When we come here on Sunday mornings or during the weekend, we are growing. Yes, we are absorbing, but the intent has always been that as we take that in, that we go right back out these doors and we reflect it back into the world around us. Not by trying to show off and making ourselves look holier than thou, but by humbly loving and serving our community and our world around us in ways that aren't even expected so that people come to know Jesus for who he truly is. A light like that pierces the darkness. Let me give you a vivid example of what I mean here. I want to, I want to compare two communities for you. you know, I had the privilege when I was on sabbatical to go to a place called Qumran. It's a place just on the edge of the Dead Sea 
where a monastic community of sorts used to live during the time of Jesus. It was a group of Jewish Essene people, and they had decided to cloister themselves away from the evil, dark world around them by living on this mountainside and following God. And they are the people who wrote out the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found about 75 years ago in these caves around the Dead Sea. Um, they, they, were actually, they actually called themselves the Sons of Light. That was what they called themselves. And uh, they, uh, they, what, what we learn about them as you spend some time is that they were great light absorbers. But they didn't reflect the light of God out at all. They wanted no contact with the rest of the world. They hid their light until the Roman legions came. And rather than facing the Roman legions, they took all their lives in a mass suicide. Now, contrast that community, the community of Qumran, with a community called uh, uh, a community that's in Taizé, France, even today. This community was started by Brother Roger just after World War II. And it's a group of uh, Protestant and Catholic Christian brothers who are dedicated to worshiping God and being a light in the world. Now, what you may not know about this little place, hole-in-the-wall place in rural France, is that this, this small group of Christian brothers every single year have over 100,000 young adults show up to find out more about faith there. Every single year. Over 100,000. They visit there. They stay. They work there. Some for months at the time. Some for as long as a year at the time as they're trying to find their own path in life. Now these monks lead them throughout the day in, in work projects or in the community and on the site. Then the evenings they have these services where the, the sanctuary that they walk into every single night is absolutely filled with candles. And there's a purpose for that because what they're wanting to instill in those young people is that that light of Christ is meant to be carried out into the world around them. That they are the light of Christ into a dark world. Every week, they provide teaching and spiritual direction to them to prepare them to, to be, to reflect Christ's light back into the world around them when they leave that place and go back to China, to Japan, to South America, to Sub-Saharan Africa, all these places where they're coming from. They believe that God's called them to shine that light in them so that they can, th- those young people can shine the light in the world around them. So imagine, over all these years, hundreds of thousands of young adults who have received Christ's light and then they go back into the remote portions of the world and they reflect it back out to millions whom they come in contact with. Let me ask you, which community was light absorbers and which are light reflectors? Let me ask you today, are you a light absorber or are you a light reflector? You know, over the years, there have been a lot of things that I have prayed for and that I have taught on and I have hoped to instill in you. One of those things that I have talked on over and over again is that you would know that you are the beloved children of God, precious in His sight. That has been very important to me that I instill that in you. It's also been very important to me that I help you to come to see that there is nothing more important in this life than to fall in love with God. To love Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, 
and all of your strength. That you would, as you think about that, that every single week you would conscientiously think, God, how can I take a step closer to you today, this week? That we don't just assume it will happen, but that we partner with God out of love for Him and say, God, how can I take a step closer to you with the day that I have today? And lastly, that you would truly reflect Christ's light by loving your neighbors all around you. To find creative, personal, meaningful ways to do so. Loving your neighbors on your street, those at work, those that you run into in the grocery store or at Starbucks, those that you go out to serve at a Gap House or even at Catalina Village like we're going to do next Sunday morning after we finish our 9 a.m. service. You know, that has always been such a passion of mine because I know it is so dear to God's heart. And four months after I arrived here back in 2011, we had what would become known as our first G-City Weekend. Some of you were actually here for that back in 2011. It was in November of that year. We decided that we were just going to go out and we were going to serve in all different places throughout our city and be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we would go. And we, had, we made such an impact that we discovered that part of our purpose here at Grace was to be that light and reflect that light into our city on a regular basis. Since then, we have served countless people around, alongside dozens of organizations all around this city over the last several years. The next month, back in December of 2011, was when we decided for the very first time to go to a village, a, a retirement community known as Catalina Village down in Tucson. December of 2011, we went down there the first time. And over the last seven years, we have been down there every single Christmas. This year, next week, will be our eighth year there, or ninth year, actually, at Catalina Village. Eventually, what we decided is that we would make every fifth Sunday here at Grace a G-City weekend where we come together and worship, and then we go out into our city, and we are Christ's light in our city. didn't matter if you were able-bodied or if you were impaired, if you were young or old, we have found a place to use every single one of us to make an impact on those days for Christ. And it has been a blast. I have so enjoyed doing that with you. Now, we've had, we, the last year, we have had a volunteer outreach leadership team who have met regularly and discovered how we can most effectively shine Christ's light into the city around us by discovering where our greatest needs are in our city. And we're finding out it's two areas, at-risk kids and at-risk seniors. And so going into 2020, this team will be helping lead Grace Community to reaching out and partnering with different ministries in the city to really have an impact on those two at-risk populations so that we can shine Christ's light into the darkness of their lives and to give them hope. Over the last few days, I've had the privilege of handing over the keys of leadership of that, uh, that outreach team to a lady named Bonnie Demoronsky. She was actually the one in just a few minutes ago, who was with the red sweater and lit the candles. She's already, she was in first service and she's already taken off. She also knew I was going to mention her name. She didn't want me to mention it again in her sight. So she's not here. But I want to encourage you to, as Bonnie leads that charge in the months and years ahead, that you will follow and that you will sense deep within you how God wants to use you to be a light in our community. I look forward to seeing how God is going to use Grace Community Church to be a light long after I'm gone.
Many people in the world today say that the church is irrelevant. It, what the problem is, is that the world isn't seeing the church reflect Christ's light. They're seeing a bunch of light absorbers, but not a lot of light reflectors. You know, uh, a few days ago I was reading online and I noticed th- this interesting thing coming out of China. I don't know if you've heard about this. But China has decided that they're going to create an artificial moon here. And it's actually going to be launched next year. Um, basically what they're going to be doing is they're going to, they have created this humongous light reflector that's going to be put up about 300 miles off the surface of the earth. And it's going to reflect light at night off the sun and onto the city of Chengdu, China. This really large city in China. It's, uh, it's going to be so bright that it's going to be eight times brighter than the moon and it's going to be so bright that they expect that they will be able to get rid of all street lights in the city of Chengdu once they launch this artificial moon. If this is successful, they have plan- their plans are to launch three more of these artificial moons for three more major cities in China by the year 2022. Isn't this crazy? Have you heard about this? Can you imagine looking up and seeing two moons? If you're on a specific city, well, that, that's their plan. And they're getting closer and closer. If you, if you Google this online, and there's actually some articles on your, in your online sermon notes about this. They're getting closer and closer to launching this, um, this first one back in, next year. But when I heard this, you know what I thought? And this is just the typical preacher in me, I guess. What would it be like if we could light up the city of Tucson in such a way that people all over this city, hurting people, Lost people didn't see an artificial light, artificial moon, but they saw Christ's light in the darkness of our city all the time. What if grace truly brought, uh, what if grace truly brought light into our city to a, to, in such a way that we, as Jesus said, were known as a city on a hill that couldn't be ignored? What if we were known as a church that loved its city well? All these years, I, you've heard me say this. I want, that what I want more for grace than for than anything else is that grace is known as the church that loves its city well. It is my dream. And I will never give up on that dream. I believe God has called this community to be a light in the darkness. And it doesn't come by just just by teaching truth, it comes by reflecting Christ's light into the lives of those who are around us without fear. You are called to be a humongous light reflector in the city of Tucson and in Oil Valley. In my first sermon series at Grace here back eight and a half years ago, it was, this sermon series was titled Radical. And I talked about what it would mean to be a radical follower of Jesus. As I finished that series back in 2011, there was a video that I showed to, to, to end that whole series the, at the end of my last message. And this morning I want to wrap up my time by showing you that same video one more time. Take a look at this.
in the next 48 hours, you have the ability to shine Christ's light by simply taking some of these cards with you, inviting those you know to an experience here on Christmas Eve night. On Sunday, you have an opportunity as well at Catalina Village. We at Grace will continue to provide opportunities to help you to shine Christ's light. But I also want to encourage you to find those gifts, those talents, that passion, that heart that is within you and how God wants to use it to shine His light into the world around you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time today. As we get so close to the day of Christmas and we are reminded that you are our light that shines in the darkness. God, we are reminded that you say to us that we are the light that also shines in the darkness. Well, forgive us for all those times when we just get so wrapped up in ourselves, in our own lives, our own preoccupations, that we forget about the brokenness, the hurting, the darkness of the world around us. And we forget to shine your light in simple, humble, loving ways to those who are around us. Lord, I pray that every time we wake up in the morning, every morning we wake up out of our beds, that we will be reminded that we are to reflect your light. That it would be the foremost thing on our minds as we run into people throughout our day. And that through our smile, through our handshake, through our embraces, through our serving, through all the ways that we are using our gifts and our heart, Lord, that we would reflect that light. If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ's light into your life, I want to encourage you today to say yes to a God who loves you far more than you could ever imagine. God is shining His light even right now upon your heart, upon your life, and He's asking you to trust Him, to take that step of faith, to know that He loves you and that He wants what's best for your life. If you would like to say yes to Christ today, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your own heart and allow God to come into your life today. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess that I need you. I want your light in my life to shine, to illuminate my path, to help me to see your good plans for my future so that I won't miss them by being so preoccupied with the wrong things. God, forgive me for all the ways that I have fallen short, those ways that I have missed your plan, your path, your light. Help me, Lord, in this coming year to, as I draw, as I accept you into my heart and my life, Lord, to follow that path, to see that path more clearly through a community like grace and to take steps closer and closer to you. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit, fill me with your light so that I can reflect it back into the world around me. Not that anyone would pay any attention to me, but that in the process they would see Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.